hello, hello, all you beautiful people. I'm Amber Enerson. Hello, I'm Kelsey Enerson. And this is our podcast, You Are the Alchemist, where we talk about all things mental health in a fun and relatable way. And today we're going to discuss a little bit about um, grief and how it affects the lungs, the respiratory system, and your skin, I believe. Let me, let me just check my notes real quick. Yes. Skin, large intestine, and lungs is what is most highly affected by grief. And one of the key things to remember about grief is that it is not necessarily something that you'll ever get over. It's actually cyclical, and you can actually experience just as much physical pain as you do emotional pain with the grieving process. Sorry, I... Were you cueing me? I was cueing you. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to give some insight. I in was there. doing some neck stretches. <laughs> um, yes, grief. I honestly, I haven't lost anyone extremely close to me, um, like no family members that I was close to, or. But I did lose someone when I was around, I think, like eight years old, and I wasn't even that close to him. But he, like, I don't know for my age he like I just thought he was really cool and I just had this like connection with him for some reason and uh he was like my favorite person in our church and he passed away and honestly I I still feel the grief of that like there were like I remember this song that was playing when I found out he died and and I remember the songs that they played at his funeral and like it's weird to me because I really wasn't that close to him, like in a in a like relationship type way. But I looked forward to seeing him every day. Every day I went to church, and I was sad if he wasn't there. Yeah. So, yeah, like that was over twenty years ago, and I still feel that grief when I hear those songs or if I think about him. So, and that is another key part of grief is that it's not necessarily the loss through, like, death. And it's not necessarily just loss of loved ones. It can be, you know, loss of old versions of yourself. It can be loss of the life you thought you were going to have. It can be a loss of, like, pieces of you that you feel like part of your identity. It goes so much deeper than just loss in the sense of I lost somebody that I loved or I lost a family member and your connections to people are not just like familial or close it could be somebody that made you feel accepted because he always made you feel accepted right it's like no matter what you were the coolest kid around yeah basically yeah he probably made everyone feel that way but not me <laughs> felt he special. didn't make me feel that way <laughs> but I mean talking about the other things about grief or the other ways you can have grief um you can also grieve time periods um like looking back how how I'm stable now I have grief and I get like really sad and upset about all the time that I lost when I wasn't mentally stable right. and so many good things could have happened and so many good things did happen, but I didn't enjoy them or like, like I didn't care because I was so checked out mentally. And so when I do think about it, I, I do grieve those years that I missed being a functional human being. Right. Or even the years where you didn't know what you wanted to do or who you wanted to be, like years that you were just lost. 
So I can relate to that. Like yeah. grieving years that you just felt lost. And because of that, you missed out on so much. And it also, I mean, it can even extend to like family pets. You can grieve your family pet. Yeah. Like that is real. Obviously. And a lot of times people discredit it. And it's like, no, that's the same thing. Because that animal or that pet got you through some difficult times. Yeah, I remember when um, our my childhood, our childhood cat Pepper died. Um, I actually called off work because I was so upset. And then the next day that I went to work, people were like poking fun at me and making fun of me like, oh, you called off because your cat died? Like, yeah. big deal. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like, there's certain animals that you form an attachment to and they they get you through the hard parts of your life. Like, right. he was my buddy. He slept with me every night. And, like, when I was crying, I he would lay there with me and I would pet him. And, yep. you know, it was – there's an emotional bond that certain people get with their pets. So, I, yeah, I totally agree. Like, grieving animals is just as, just as accepted as anything else, I think. Right. And it also, like, you also rescued him. Like, he was very close to dying when you got him, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah. that even, that even helps form that attachment, too, because it's like your guys' life was, um, I can't think of the word. I can't think of the word. Symbiotic. It was a symbiotic relationship. He helped you through hard times. You helped him through his hard times. Yeah. So. Basically. Well, his mom had him in our attic which i don't even understand that but (laughs) yep he lucked out and that was like me with my dog jacks like i felt very very alone through my first pregnancy and i was overwhelmed and i was scared and i was stressed and i was anxious and my dog jacks like was the one that was there all the time he was always there for me he would always like put his head on my lap whenever i was upset or stressed out if i was like you know, trying to get something done, and I was crying and upset. He would, like, come into the room and, like, sniff at me and nudge me with his little nose. And then he ended up passing away from an accident that was unexpected. Like, it was just out of nowhere. unavoidable. It was. It it, was avoidable. It was avoidable, yes. Avoidable. Some dumbass, but (laughs) whatever. I'm not going to get on that. But it was, like, when I lost him, I called off for two days. I'm, like, I, first of all, I'm, like, six months pregnant. Second of all, I just lost my best friend, like, the one who has been with me through most of this and was pretty much the only one that I could turn to because anybody else would think I was crazy with what was going through my mind at that point. That's kind of rude. I, I feel like I probably would have gotten it. Um, except you still thought I was crazy when I was worried that I was going to die in childbirth and everything else. I didn't think you were crazy. I just thought that you were, you know. Overly anxious? Yes, exactly. (laughs) But the definition for grief goes like this. Um, Grief happens when something is lost and it's unbearable for us to accept or acknowledge it and it is cyclical. Uh, Pain from grief can occur on a physical level and even when all avenues are explored, it still is to no avail because it's an internal pain and I found this interesting because it also kind of goes into like addiction to pain medication a lot of times people can get addicted to pain medication even Tylenol to an extent 
because they're trying to numb internal pain, but it's manifesting itself as a physical pain. And it does, I don't think it stops at pain medication because, like, I was prescribed, like, benzos, benzodiazepine yeah. for my my anxiety, and it makes you not, you know, because I had very intrusive thoughts, I had racing thoughts, I could never calm down, like, I would have panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and so they just kept giving me different benzos because sometimes they would work and sometimes they wouldn't, and then even when my anxiety was improving, I didn't like having to think about anything. Like, I didn't even mm-hmm. want to have to sort things out. Like, I would just take the benzos so I didn't have to face anything that would come up, even right. if it wasn't a racing thought or it wasn't intrusive. Like, anything that made me feel uncomfortable, instead of facing it, I would just yeah. take a benzo. And it is partially, like, numbing that the in- life, the emotional life, basically. Thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like that movie, Click. Like, where he would fast forward through all of the tough parts in his oh, life. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then by the end of his life, it, like, eventually the remote learned to just fast forward through anything complicated. Yeah. And then he got to the end of his life, and he's like, what the hell just happened? Like, yeah. I don't I don't remember any of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that. Like, you're numbing the things with pain relievers, pain medications, anti-anxiety medications, depression medication. There's so many things that you can numb with, even as far as, like, caffeine and gambling and work. Mine is online shopping. Yeah. That's the <laughs> dopamine hit. I get that dopamine, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you posted something on Facebook about that yesterday or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I said if every, if anyone bought me everything in my Amazon cart, that would be the, like, jackpot of dopamine or something like that (laughs) the best dopamine hit I'd have ever had or something like that yeah but it's true like so many oh so often we will just numb with anything we can and that's a lot of times why people get addicted to those things too yeah I could have easily and I think I did kind of start getting addicted to pain pills um from my first surgery because not only did it help my pain it just kind of helped me sleep or zone out. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to realize, like, my life is in fucking shambles right now. Like, right. I don't, there's nothing I can do to fix myself right now. I went to school for no reason to weld, and now I can't weld. And, you know, I was just, you know, I was so over even being alive, right. in all honesty. And so the pain pills kind of just made me a zombie. Right. That mixed with all the other meds they put me on for various things. And it's it's so easy. But the thing about it is, is once those pain meds wear off, mm-hmm. it comes back. And Everything it comes back. floods back. Twice, three times, four times. And that's why people keep intense. taking it. And then you just end up fucking up more of your life because you're addicted to pain pills now. Right. And then you never get off of them because if you do, then you have to face everything that has happened from the addiction in the first place. And I'm not making light of it. Like, I know how easy it is to slip into it because, like I said, I've been there. Like, I'm not saying that you're a trash person or anything like that. It is so easy to let them run your life. But Mm -hmm. it is a way of avoiding grief. 
And then with grief, um, grief is actually more complicated too because it isn't just grief. There's also anger, there's pain, there's resentment, there's fear, there's loss, and it's all culminated into this one thing that everyone tells you to get over. Oh, it's been a year and a half now. You should be over this by now. And so many people hear that, and it's like, no, like grief is not anything that you ever get over. It's something that you learn to live with and you learn to manage and you learn healthy coping mechanisms so that you can move forward with your life. But grief is not something that you can ever just get over and there's so much pressure on people to be like, oh, no, you can't feel this anymore because, oh, you lost this person three months ago or six months ago. Or, oh, your life is so much better than it was back then, so why are you grieving your old life? Yeah, I... um. I did a cover of a song. If I don't, most people don't know who Matt Mason is, but he's my all-time favorite artist. And I actually did a cover of one of his songs, and I'm gonna read some of the lyrics because this song hit me so hard because so many of us have been told, "Get over it," you know, "Rub some dirt on it," "Shake it off," you know, whatever. So. <clears throat> And, I mean, that was my, my, our whole childhood. But, uh, so, some of the lyrics are, his dad was a pastor, so that'll give you some clarification. <laughs> um, he says, Pastor, Father, where did it begin? Lock it out of your mind, Sonny, out of your mind. And suck it up, crybaby, because all that crying is getting old. Suck it up, crybaby. We've all agreed you should let it go. And it's so, and... Obviously, it touches your soul a lot more when you're not when I'm not just reading the lyrics right. and you hear the music. But like, it's true. It's you know, people will get in a group and be like, "What is wrong with them? Like, why can't they just get over it? Why can't they just move on with their life?" And like, we've all agreed you should let it go. Like, yeah. no, no one has a right to tell you when you can let something go. And letting it go too doesn't mean that it's ever really gone. Right. It means that you've gotten to the point now where you've learned to live alongside it instead of living behind it, if that makes sense. I know, yeah, like, I know a lot of people, I don't know if people agree with this or not, but I think I would say, I don't think I've let anything in my life go. It's more of, you learn to survive around it. Mm-hmm. and you accept it for what it is. Right. But, like, unless you go and get your memory blacked out, you, you don't actually let it go. Like, right. I guess the phrase, like, let it go to a lot of people means, like, stop letting it affect you so badly. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think there is a letting go of something. It's you learn from it, you grow from it. You accept it. And you accept it, and yeah. that is your life, like, you're you're done with it. Yeah. But it's always going to come back. Like right. every something is going to trigger it the rest of your life. That's just how it happens. And that's understandable and that's <clears> acceptable. <throat> and sometimes you're going to go through those cycles of grief all over again because every time it's like you're reliving that moment in the present moment. So whatever happened in the past, that's how our brain works. Yeah. That's how, why it's so difficult sometimes when we're triggered because it's like you're actually reliving that exact moment from your past in your current present life. Yeah. 
even if there's nothing in your present life that is actually repeating that. It just is you can sometimes smell something or see a color. Yes. Or, you know, hear a song or, you know, something that that person used to say all the time. Somebody else could say it and it could trigger you. And you're going to feel all of those feelings exactly as if you are reliving that moment. And that's why I don't like the phrase, let it go, because you are and will be the person you are meant to be, whether or not, I don't know how to phrase it. I really don't. Like, it makes sense in my head, but (laughs) (laughs) if you let everything go, you will never learn and you will never grow. Right. If people just, like... There's people that let people walk all over them and they let let it go. Like, I'm just going to let it go. Like, it doesn't bother me. That's not, that's not what you should be doing. You should be addressing people that are hurting you and you should be standing up for yourself and right. you should be processing everything. You don't just let it go. Right. Because then it's like self-abandonment. Yeah. And often self-abandonment is even worse than being abandoned by someone else. Because if someone else abandons you, that's one thing if you know that you've got yourself regardless. Yeah. But if you abandon yourself, then what happens if that person does leave you? Or if that person is no longer a part of your life, either by choice or not by choice. And that's why it's so important to make sure you stand up for yourself and allow yourself this space. And there are cycles that you have to go through and you'll continue to go through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not ever a requirement that you have to never let this make you sad again. You have to never grieve this again. Um, Avoiding it is actually one of the worst things you can do, is avoid those feelings when they come up. But now um, we'll go a little more into, like, how to prevent it or how to offset it or how to cope with it. But first I want to go a little bit into, like, how it affects the body. So when you're in a state of grief and you're in a state of repeated grief, it is, um, it affects your lungs, which causes respiration issues because it's like you're perpetually in that contracted state. Mm-hmm. You can't get a full breath because it's almost like there's a weight, like con- contracting your lungs. So a lot of times it'll affect your respiration. It can affect your cardiovascular health. It increases inflammation, which as we all know is one of the leading factors in any chronic illness is inflammation. And there's so many things that increase inflammation, but emotions are one of them. Um, I was at a personal development summit over the weekend, and the guy was like, we have, so we have 40 trillion cells in our body. And each of those 40 trillion cells has a certain amount of energy. And if you do the math, For all of that, you actually contain the energy of 233,333 lightning bolts within your body all the time. And that, to me, was, like, mind-blowing. Because imagine how destructive a storm can be with one bolt of lightning, and you have 233,333 bolts of lightning in your body. That's the equivalent of the energy that we hold within ourselves. Well, that explains how I lost control of my anger so much exactly, years ago. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because if you are holding on to things, yeah. that energy is not processing through you at all, which then increases inflammation. There's definitely people that would probably say, I, I did look like a lightning bolt when my anger would take yep. over. 
and it increases the inflammation because your body is literally trying to hold on to all of that energy that it's not meant to hold on to. Yeah. And another thing he said is um, the mountains you're carrying, you were only ever meant to climb. So that, again, goes with, like, the emotions and stuff. Like, you are meant to climb that mountain and to process that emotion, those emotions, that grief. You are meant to process all of that and learn from it and cope with it and accept it and live alongside it, but you're not meant to carry it. And so many people carry it their entire lives. And then, of course... And they carry other people's. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, can you... Okay, so if you're, like, hiking through the woods and you're carrying a 200-pound pack, don't you think that's going to affect your lungs? Well, no shit. It's going to affect your cardiovascular even walk in the, I can't even walk in the woods without anything on my back and yeah. I'm out of breath. So imagine that the equivalent of the grief that you are carrying around is the equivalent of a 200-pound pack on your back. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Um, and then another thing is that your immune system will actually be um, heavily affected by grief as well. It will increase blood pressure and increase blood clotting, which then can alter your entire chemical makeup. It can alter, like, everything. It can alter your stre- your heart muscle. It can increase stress. It can um, activate the nervous system, and then you're going to be in a constant state of survival. And I was just talking to one of my friends about this last night. I'm like, when you're in a constant state of survival or you're in like a period of burnout or anything like that, your body will literally start shutting down anything that is an unnecessary thing. So like if you don't need to do something, your body is not going to allow you to do it because it's sending all of that energy into your survival and into getting you out of that fight or flight mode. That's probably why people, myself included, gain weight when they're stressed out. Yeah, because your body doesn't want to burn that fat. I've it gained like want to. I've gained fifteen pounds since my surgery. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, to be fair, I haven't been able to be that active, but yeah, I just you know the stress on my body, the stress on my mind from all of it. Yeah, which I, increases cortisol levels. Yeah, and then increases blood pressure, which makes it more difficult to be active even when you are. Yeah, because if your blood pressure is increased it actually dilates the blood cells and it dilates the ways that your body gets oxygen. Hmm. And that's why they say like nicotine, ADHD medicine, any type of stimulant, you should not be taking that if you're going to go into like intense exercise or something. Because it actually... Well, that's why I can't exercise. I vape like a mother. Well, yeah, so your blood cells are completely dilated. Hey, I quit quit smoking for three years, and then shit hit the fan. It is the one coping mechanism that I have that's unhealthy, but (laughs) currently that's what gets me through a lot of things right now. And that is okay. We are all about acceptance in this sphere (laughs) here. And at least I don't stink like smoke. That's true. That's very true. But... So if you think about it, the weight of your grief when you deny that emotion or you try to fit everybody's standards that you're expected to have released this by now or whatever it may be, is like you're carrying around a 200-pack of weight on you while you're hiking up Mount Olympus or whatever. I don't even know if Mount Olympus is a real mountain. <laughs> yes, I 
Well, now you have me second guessing, but I'm almost I, I think it is. It I is, was thinking yeah. of Mount Everest, though. Like, that's the oh. one I was trying to get to. Yeah. So, it's like you're carrying a 200-pound pack up Mount Everest. And it's going to affect your cardiovascular system, your lungs, your blood flow, your blood pressure, your hormonal system, your fight or flight. It literally affects every part of your body. And this is just grief. This is not all other emotions. All other emotions have specific effects, uh, specific effects on specific organs. Grief is like literally your entire body. And that was uh, researched by Dr. Jill Blakeaway and Dr. Pathak. So I thought that was interesting because... Yeah, it, I mean, it makes sense. Like, people people pass out from grief. They, mm-hmm. you know, they... And depression can take over with grief. Right. Which then you got to double whammy because you're trying to fight the grief and the depression. And the pressure from other people <clears throat> then causes anxiety. So you actually get all of the... Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Because when people are telling you to get over something... And you can't get over it and you're not meant to get over it, then that causes anxiety because then you're afraid of losing affection. Yeah. Because, well, I can't get over this. So are you going to accept me like this even if I never get any better? Or are you going to leave or abandon me or do what everyone else has done? So interestingly enough, emotional pain actually activates the same regions of the brain as physical pain. So the next time you're feeling some sort of physical pain, maybe take a second to review and see if there's some sort of like emotional pain attached to that too, because it actually activates the same regions of your mind. And Eastern medicine is more about emotions. Western medicine is more about like your physical body health. And Western medicine only treats things after they already happen. It treats the symptoms. Whereas Eastern medicine, it dives into things that are under the surface, which is actually where most holistic psychology and stuff comes from, is from the Eastern medicine. But often the regions of the brain are activated by the same thing, just like the regions of your brain that are responsible for excitement are also responsible for anxiety. So that's always something to consider, too. It is. Like the mechanism... I've never... I know. I was thinking I don't really feel excitement right I like ever I well that's not true I got super excited when I got my new car but I can probably count on one hand how many times I've been truly excited about something right and I guess my brain just reverts to the anxiety side of it and most people's do it most of it is like your perception of your experience it like it's the same exact mechanism for both but for some people, they feel it as excitement. Other people feel it as anxiety. Well, that's true. Yeah, because, like, I got excited about buying my new car, and then probably seconds later, the anxiety hit of, oh, my God, now I have a car payment. Yeah. What happens if I crash it? What happens if <laughs> I don't, you know, like, I just kept thinking of all these new things, and it's just, they do coincide. I, you're yeah. right, yeah. And that's because, like, the brain mechanism is the same. Same with physical pain and emotional pain. And most grief and sadness and loss and all of that is the deepest emotional pain that you will ever feel. And it is unfortunately something that nobody can escape. Yeah. You cannot escape I think about that often. And I think there's also a fear of grief 
if yeah. that makes sense. Because, like, something for me that I... So, I mean, by now, most people that know me know that I never wanted children. I, mm-hmm. I did not want a child. And there were two main, main reasons why. One, this world is fucked up. <laughs> and I experienced way too much as a child that my parents could not protect me from. And two, I never wanted the ability to lose something so fucking close to me. And that was the biggest reason I didn't want a kid. Because now that I have a kid, the fear that comes alongside the thought that something could possibly happen to her is so overwhelming to me. And Mm -hmm. I will literally go into an anxiety attack if I think about it. And so the 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 loss of a child has to be the biggest grief and i don't think that that's something anyone could ever get over no like i don't it's just not possible no and they often people who have gone through that will often put themselves in a position where they then feel like something is wrong with them because then they can't move past it right But it's not that anything is wrong with anybody who has experienced that. It's that that is so devastating and there is no explanation. You cannot explain that because there is no reason for it to happen. And then alongside the grief, you get the guilt because say say you lose a child, could I have prevented it? I'm not paying enough attention to my other children. You know, like you get all that. And I'm just talking as an outside perspective because it's obviously never happened to me but the way that I would imagine it is there's so much guilt alongside the grief because you can't move past it it is ruining your life you're not giving anyone a hundred percent anymore and I I feel like all of that is just so destructive to someone Mm -hmm. and then add into it the anger for the situation in the first place because nobody should have to experience that. And then alongside with the um, the physical traits that you were saying that it affects people, like people literally say they died of a broken heart. Yeah. And I 100% believe that. I, I do. Because like s- some people lose a spouse, a child, a mm-hmm. friend, a mom, a da- you know, and a year later they pass away. Yep. And it, it truly does affect your physical body, not just your emotional state. Right. Because it's putting all of that pressure on all organs of your body. Yeah. And, like, you can feel it. Like, you can feel that grief in your chest. Like, when something happens, <laughs> I can feel it. Not, I've never had anything happen like that. But when I've had it happen, I could feel, like, and literally feel my heart, like, breaking in two mm-hmm. or exploding. Yeah. It's like every time you do that, you're actually damaging your heart, not intentionally, no. but that's your reaction to it. And it does do damage, which is why they have ways to help with that. So this is not an episode to just completely destroy <laughs> your guys' happiness and joy and to make you think of no, all of the worst also, case scenarios. Yeah, but, <laughs> not, but it's just trying to, I don't know. I feel like it's just trying to make people realize, like, it's normal and there's nothing wrong with you for grieving even the tiniest thing. Like, you can grieve anything you want. I grieve when my plants die. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't. I just buy new plants. I know. <laughs> because you like you sit there and you work with them for months and months and then they do great. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden they die. It's like all of that time, all of that well, effort. Yeah, that's another example of grieving time lost. Yeah. Yeah. It's like and it then it's like I couldn't help it. Then it like triggers like the conditioning from the past. Oh, of, Jesus. I can't yeah. fix it. Yeah. I can't fix my freaking plant. Mm-hmm. No wonder I can't fix my plant because I can't fix anything in my life. And yeah. then I go down that spiral. Yeah. And then I get upset. And then I'm like, you know what? F this. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find another plant that's gonna live. Just buy fake plants. No. <laughs> they're not as much fun. Anyways. So Back to how we can work with this instead of trying to ignore it um, or believing that we don't have a right to feel it. Uh, one of the best things to do is to not avoid the feelings when they come up. The avoidance of those feelings is actually what causes the fatigue. It's actually what causes the weakened immune system. It's actually what increases inflammation and prolongs the other aspects of this it's actually the avoidance of these feelings Hmm. when you push them below the surface and repress them instead of allowing them to be and accepting them for what they are you're pushing that energy back into your body and that's actually the most destructive part of it is when you ignore the feelings and you don't allow the feelings to come out because sometimes you just need to have a good cry and then you're going to be okay like when it's the cyclical part of it Because sometimes it's not like that thing is happening right now. It could be like the anniversary or it could be like an important date or it could be something is triggering you. And sometimes after a good cry, because you allowed those feelings to be there, you'll feel so much better. Crying is actually very healthy for you. And it does release chemicals to, I don't remember the chemicals, but it does release. Endorphins. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's endorphins. It, It releases something in you where, I mean, like imagine a, pipe building up with water and then you turn on the faucet and then all of that you know, pressure is released yeah and then i i don't know that's I, a good I, analogy i did read an article about why crying is good for you but i don't <laughs> remember it so just google it okay yes um emotional and physical self-care is another extremely important one um and i know like a lot of people don't really know what self-care is For me, self-care looks like meditation, yoga, and journaling. Sometimes it looks like tarot cards and oracle cards and journaling. Sometimes it looks like having lunch with my sister or a friend because I just... When the fuck have we had lunch? Not in a very long time, but we have had lunch. Probably when we were like 10. Yeah, no. I tried to take you out for your birthday and you wouldn't go out anywhere. That's not true. We went to Great Steak and Potato. Did we actually so make fuck it there? You. <laughs> I thought we didn't actually make it there. I thought we did something no, else. I instead. would never forget Great Steak and Potato. Okay, so dinner with my sister. <laughs> <laughs> or a good conversation with my one of my best friends. Or sometimes talking to my mom or my dad. Because it's like My self care is far from yours because I feel like I'm doing self care. Just by fucking taking a shower and shaving everything. <laughs> or, you know, I will use a blackhead nose strip and I'm like, damn, I'm taking care of myself. Like, <laughs> or, you know, I haven't worn makeup in days, so I'm going to go put on some makeup just because I feel like it. But that is also self-care. I know, but it yours are is. so just like, wow, you're making huge improvements. And I'm just <laughs> like trying not to look like a fucking bag, you know? <laughs> 
But I still think it's because that's what you need. Like me, I don't give a fuck what I look like. Like, nope. This that's, is just me. That's not true. You spend way too much money on clothes to not care what you I haven't like. spent money on clothes in probably, like, two years. I spend money at Goodwill on clothes. That's bullshit, because the last time you got a new job or something... Was five years ago? No, you didn't get a new job, but you were going somewhere, and you went and got a bunch of business clothes, and you showed them all. From the Goodwill. So? So it's not like I'm spending a bunch of money. This podcast is not for arguments. Okay, all right, fine. Um, anyways, self-care looks different for anybody or everybody. So just make sure you're taking that time to give yourself whatever it is that you need, whether it's a bubble bath, shaving your body, using blackheads. To be perfectly clear, I don't shave my entire body. <laughs> I leave the arms. Yoga, meditation, journaling, finding support from your people's you know, that's all part of self-care. Um, exercise is another good one. Exercise is going to be a very big theme throughout all of these things because exercise is a huge part of mental health. And if you can exercise in nature, that's about as good as it can get. Like, that, that's pretty good if you can do both. Um, talking to loved ones, getting enough sleep, um... A lot of times when you're going through grief and stuff like that, it is difficult to open up to other people. But if you can't open up to other people, then, you know, write it, write it down or write a letter. And, I mean, you don't have to send the letter. Nobody ever has to see the letter. But it's a way for you to talk it out so that it's not just ruminating in your head. Um, getting enough sleep is huge because if you're not getting enough sleep, then every other function in your body is not going to be where it's supposed to be. I don't so. think anyone in our generation has ever gotten enough sleep probably <laughs> not our probably the, not. the way our our work shifts are now like 5 a.m starts 3 4 p.m starts 11 yeah. p.m starts like it it's is very insane. important but the world has made it very difficult to get enough sleep yeah and then when you get home you feel like you have zero time to do anything so you stay up past you when you should at least right. this is what i do I stay up because I want alone time or because I feel like I haven't gotten to do anything besides run around all day. Mm -hmm. Then you stay up till 1, 2 in the morning, and then you got to get up at 6, 7. Yep. I am the same exact way, so I am 100% with you. But it is very important. Yes. We're, we're giving you guys tools that you can implement if you feel so led yes. to do so. Stop binging <laughs> that Netflix series like I do and go to bed. Yes. Get your rest. <laughs> Um, social support is another good one. Everybody needs social support. Humans are literally wired for social support, which is very difficult for me to say because I am very introverted and I very much enjoy my own company. So to have to say, no, I do need social support once in a while. It's like shit. Yeah. I, I and thought some I didn't people struggle this. with social anxiety. Yeah. That was me for years. I never left the house. Right. I was a friend. I had anxiety attacks on my way to work because <laughs> I didn't want to go to work. Not because I didn't want to work, but because I didn't want to be around people. Right. So it is difficult, but just find something or at least one person that you feel comfortable with and go watch a movie or do something. Or better yet, have someone that will come to you. Because yes. that's what we did for a long time. We would go to each other and we would only see yeah. each other in our houses. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> when we weren't living together. 
Yeah. It's like, no, we don't want to go anywhere. We, we'll just hang out at the house. Yeah. Um, self-acceptance. 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 That's, that's a tough one. That is probably one of the most important ones. And it is one of the most difficult ones for anybody to attain. Understandably so. Because we have so many people around us that are telling us there's something inherently wrong with us because we're not like them. Um, or because we don't deal with things the same way as they do. Or because we can't move past things the way that they can. But it is nobody else's job to tell you who you should be, how you should process things, when you should move past them. It is you and you have to accept where you're at and be okay with where you're at so that you can move forward. I will say to that, I 100% agree. But there are people in your life that they may come to you with a concern because you are not doing well. Right. And that is, it's not to be taken as you aren't who you're supposed to be. Right. But, like, in my situation, I was not okay. And some people, it wasn't because I I wasn't being, I mean, I wasn't being myself. But, you know, I hope everyone understands what I'm trying to say. There, There are people that will, and... Possibly it may piss you off because it did me. And I was like, fuck me or fuck you. Leave me alone. And yeah, like I'm doing the best that I can. And this is what like take me as I am because it's I'm not changing and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, I really did need help. Right. Like so try to use your own discernment, judgment and yep. discernment on who those good people are and who those people are that are trying to change who you are. Yes. And the ones that you should that one of the key ways to tell that is who you know and trust has your best intentions at heart. Yeah. Because most of the time, unless it is someone like my sister or my mom or my dad or someone that I have known many, many years, I trust with my life and I know that they have only the best for me in their minds. I most likely am not going to listen to other people. And, like, you don't even listen to us. I don't let you know that I'm listening to you. I can tell you one thing for months, and then all of a sudden you'll be like, Kelsey, oh, my God, I just realized, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bro, I told you that, like, months ago. Yeah, but that's because it took months for my subconscious mind to accept it. Jeez. Give me a break. You like to learn things the hard way. Uh, It literally is part of my human design to learn things the hard way. And I accept you as you are. Well, even I accept, though it annoys the shit out of me sometimes. I accept you as you are, too, even though you don't really annoy me. I was going to say, I'm not <laughs> annoying. I'm fucking awesome, so. Whatever. On that note, we are almost at 45 minutes here. Holy fuck. Hopefully you have enjoyed this lovely episode. If you made it this far. If you made it this far. If you did, that is an accomplishment, and I'm proud of you. Because <laughs> 45 minutes is a long time. But we do appreciate this listening. We do appreciate the support. If you think this could help anybody else that you know, please share it, review it. And if you have any support that we can give you or anything you'd like to ask, feel free to email us because we always love hearing from you guys. And we will talk to you next week. See ya.